I'd like to welcome you to the sunny state of Texas, the place of used to be uh, dry, barren, but boy, I tell you, it's not dry anymore. It's amazing how we complain about the drought, pray for rain, God answers, and then we complain about the rain and asking for drought again, amen. Kind of reminds you of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Uh, they just had a bad case of murmurs, you know. I'd like for you to join me today in your Bible to the book of John, John chapter number 19. And I'd like to ask you to give me the liberty of a little bit of taking, taking the Gospels, if you please, of course, that being Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four different men writing about the same event under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing about the life of Christ. And just to... Uh, aid my feverish attempt to preach, I would like for you to hold your place in John 19, and then maybe find the book of Luke chapter 23, and uh, hold your place in those areas. And I will begin reading in the book of John chapter 19, I'll read three verses, and then we'll go back to the book of Luke and read a few verses and then we'll go back to John for a final statement. It's so good to be saved, isn't it? Man, I'll tell you, I am so glad that Jesus saw the need, felt the compassion, moved, and made the trip from glory to Bethlehem and got off the golden staircase in Bethlehem in the form of a little bitty baby. And for 33 and a half years was tempted in every fashion such as us. And yet the writer says, and yet without sin. A sinless sacrifice. That's what it took to take care of mine and your sin. Amen. Please now let me read for you just a moment out of the book of John, chapter 19 and verse 28. Please follow along in your Bible. If you do not have one, there's one in the pew there. And if it does not have somebody's name on it, you can have that one. If that's somebody's personal Bible they forgot to take home this week, I'd hate to give it away. Verse 28, after this, the Bible said, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. 
To aid in uh, the explanation of the text, I would invite you back to the book of Luke, chapter 23, and I'd like to read verse 1, or verse, I'm sorry, verse 33, and as you find your place there, Luke, chapter 23, verse 33. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the male factors, one on the le right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Verse 44. And it was about the sixth hour. High noon. He had already been on the cross for three hours, according to Mark. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Three o'clock in the afternoon. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus has cried with a loud voice, he said, now let's go back to John 19, verse 30, and see what he said with a loud voice. It is finished. The shout of victory. He did not say, I am finished, because he has always been and will always be. And he said with a loud voice, a shout if you please, it is Teleco, in the Greek, one word. But in English, three words. It is finished. It's done. It's complete. There's nothing else to do. You don't need to do anything. The devil can't do anything because I have done everything. It is finished. Theologians speak of the finished work of Jesus Christ. In reference to the theology and the doctrine of redemption, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Our problem is we try to help God just every way we can. We're going to put our good works on the scale of eternity. And as sure as the world, God's going to please be pleased with all of the good things that I've done. But now, if one of your good works could get you to heaven, Jesus Christ died in vain. It is 
finish. Teleco. Done. Paid. Complete. Absolutely. Accomplished. Finished. Paid. Everything is done. I performed that which God has sent me to perform. Isn't it a shame the ticket's been punched and you're still on your way to hell? Isn't it a shame that the blood of a righteous Son of God has been shed for your redemption and you're still on your way to hell? You say, but I'm a church member. Hell's going to be full of church members. But I'm a Baptist. Boy, that ain't going good for you. Baptist didn't die for your sins. Isn't it a shame? Jesus on the cross, the last thing he said, he said with a loud voice, Teleco, it's finished. And he bowed his head. They did not kill him. He gave up the ghost. And all of God's people said, do any of you today, and can any of you identify of having unfinished tasks in your life? The car that's washed, but the inside look like Kentucky Fried Chicken owns it. You say, well, I took all the wrappers out. Yes, but you've stopped so many times. Now you're growing feathers out from underneath the back bumper. I can look in my life, and I have looked in my life this week as I've prepared and prayed. My life is just strong with unfinished tasks. From a little bitty boy until just this morning, unfinished tasks. And I dare say that many of us today, if we were to be truthful, we could think in the next five minutes of several unfinished tasks that is in our life. And I bet I'm not alone in thinking that. I'm often impressed about the depiction of four of our American presidents being uh, uh, carved out of Mount Rushmore. And all of us know about that place. But did you know that they remain unfinished? The original sculptor was to uh, sculpture them from the waist up. They have never been finished and probably will never be finished because people always start things and something else comes up like raising kids and the job. Like trying to keep mama happy long distance. <laughs> Even Michelangelo, probably known as one of the greatest artists of all time, when he died, he had more unfinished sculptures and paintings than the ones that he finished. All of us, no matter how old, how smart, how young, how great we are, there's probably things in our life that is undone. 
People who die at an early age many times die with a lot of unfinished tasks accomplished. In ten short years, Alexander the Great conquered Greece, Persia, Asia Minor, Egypt, Mesopotamia, Babylon, Media, and India, and he died at 33. What would he accomplish? did not die at 33. But on the other hand, our Lord Jesus died at 33. And yet, not one unfinished, half-started, uncompleted task could be found in his life. If we should travel through the book of John, we might read verses like John 4 and 34, where he told his disciples, My meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work that he has sent me thereunto. Can you say amen? At 33, no, not one unfinished deed in his life. John 5 and verse 36 the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same words that I do. When you talk about the Lord's Prayer, we usually think about our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, so forth and so on, in Matthew chapter 5. But that is not the Lord's Prayer. That is the model prayer. That is the model by which you and I are to emulate to pray correctly to God. But the Lord did have a Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17. It's called the glorification prayer. And the Bible says in John 17 and verse 4, I have finished the works that he has sent me thereunto. I'm so glad to tell you today, it's done. If you want to go to heaven, it's done. If you want your sins forgiven, it's done. If you want your name written in the Lamb Book of Life, it's done. If you want the master carpenter of all eternity to begin to build a mansion for you on Hallelujah Boulevard, just down the street from mine, I want to share something with you. It's done. It's done. Yeah, how do you know that? It's finished. To let go, it's done. He shouted it. He did not say, hey, you Baptist, it's done. For everybody. For anyone. For God is not willing that one in this place should perish. But that all should come to repentance. Preacher, you get there your way, I'll get there mine. I don't have a way. I don't have a way. I was as lost as you are. A lot prettier probably, but lost as you are. Not as smart probably, but as you are. And thank God I read one day that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. To let go. That's what he said. That's what he shouted. Jesus did not bow his head and die as a martyr. He raised his voice and died as a conqueror when he said, It's finished! It's done! 
You want to be saved. You can now. That ought to make a bunch of Methodists shout. The lone Baptist, amen. Just one word. Oh, teleko. We're not, we're not familiar with, with that one word. It's a Greek word. We're not too familiar with it. We don't know. We'd have to look in a concordance or maybe a, 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 in the Old Testament or something to try to find the meaning of the word. But when Jesus used it, it was a common, everyday, straight word. For instance, a farmer would use this word teleko to describe a beautiful animal, that there was nothing in its conformity, nothing in its color, nothing could be added to make it look more beautiful. He would look at this perfect specimen of an animal and say, Taleco, and everybody would know. It's perfect. For instance, not only a farmer would use the word, but a carpenter. After he had worked very diligently on his furniture and on the uh, cosmetics, uh, and he would stand back and he would look at it, and, and he would look at this piece of perfect architecture, perfect workmanship, and he would look and say one word, teleco. It's perfect. Now, we are not familiar with the term, I'm sure, but an artist after he had laid the last final swoop of the brush on the masterpiece, he would stand back and look at it, you know, like you do your grandkids' pictures on your cell phone. I don't know why. My grandkids are prettier than everybody else's. I have no idea. It must be genetic. I don't know what it is. But we stand back and we look as that artist puts the final stroke of the brush and the artist looks at his masterpiece and he did not have to write a 2,000 word thesis to describe it in the Greek because the Greek likes to say they say much with few words teleko perfect complete finished nothing else I wonder why we folk try to add something to God's perfect salvation. Well, you got to be baptized to be saved. Listen, muddy water on an empty head don't wash any sins away. No, no, no. Well, i got to speak in tongues, spit in bubbles, and do didos. And while you're doing that, you're going to hell all the time you're doing it. Because what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the water in the tub. What can make me hold again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. <laughs> can anybody say amen? That makes us white as snow. Nothing. Not your works. Not your education. Not your height. Not your width, not your depth, nothing but the blood of Jesus. It would be a shame for you to die and go to hell today, depending on anything else except 
intellectual. The perfect, finished work of Jesus Christ. Man, I feel something coming on. Hang on now. And probably the most important way the word was used, it was used as a banking term, teleco. You would go to the banker and you would sign a note. That meant you owed this much to the banker. Well, when you went down and paid the final payment on the note, the banker would stamp the note. And guess what he would stamp it with? Teleco. Finish. Done. Paid in full. Is there anybody here who would like to say amen? Now, don't do it too loud because you're Baptist and folk think you got something you really don't have. Praise the Lord. Can I bring your attention to a verse in chapter 19 of the book of John? And I want you to look at verse 28, please. If you'll just stay with me, you'll learn something today. Look at verse 28. And the Bible says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. Same word, teleco, done. All things were accomplished. It's finished. Did you hear me? Well, I wonder what was accomplished. When Jesus hung on that cross from 9 o'clock a.m. to 3 o'clock p.m., that gave him three hours to get him down off the cross at 3 and have him in the tomb before the first day of the week, which started at 6 o'clock. Saturday afternoon. You're welcome. In those short three hours, what was accomplished? Jesus realizing that everything was accomplished. He said, Teleco, it's finished. What was accomplished in those short three hours? I do know at high noon, the moon and the sun hit its face, and it turned black as sackcloth for three hours on that cross. It was so dark you could reach out and cut you a slice out. Jesus Christ said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God turned his back on his son because on his son was mine and your sins. And God is so holy he cannot look upon sin. And for three long hours, 
mine and yours and all the world's sin that has ever been committed was piled and laid upon the pure sacrifice of God, Jesus Christ. Now, I do know that during that six hours, the Bible said there was a tremendous earthquake. And the earth shook so profusely that the centurion turned around and said, oh, we made a mistake. <laughs> that was the Son of God. I do know that the high priest running around in his slick-looking britches down at the temple, all of a sudden when Jesus bowed his head and said, It's finished! The curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place, the thing that separated God from man, was split from top to bottom, and now we have access to the Father. What a day. To let go. It's finished. It's accomplished. Well, what was accomplished? I've got four minutes to show you what he accomplished in six hours. Is anybody playing ball today? And nobody's going to say. I don't blame you. The first thing was accomplished, let me leave it to you. The sufferings of Jesus Christ, God's beloved Son, was complete. All of our Lord's life, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, was overshadowed with suffering and death. He was the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. In the Garden of Eden, when our grandparents, Adam and Eve, got in trouble with God, God looked at Eve and looked at the devil and God told Eve that your seed will bruise his head, but his seed, the devil's seed, the serpent's seed, will bruise the woman's seed's hill. And at Calvary, at Calvary, Jesus was bruised. The seed of the woman was bruised like no other has ever been bruised. Well, how do you know Jesus was the son of the woman? In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman. That's the only one like that. Made of a woman and the Holy Ghost of God. Pure blood. Sinless blood. Sacrificial blood. Clean blood. He came, and even in eternity, overshadowing the life of our Lord, was suffering. Not one day, not one hour, not one minute, not one second, was there not in the back of our Lord's mind Suffering, Calvary, crucifixion, thorn, 
cat of nine tails, brutal Roman soldiers, fist in the face, pulling of the beard. All of his life and his pre-existent life, he was overshadowed with suffering. But thank God, at Calvary, he shouted with a loud voice, Teleco! I'm not going to suffer anymore. Isaiah 53, 500 years before he was born, Isaiah said he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was oppressed. He was persecuted. He was beaten. And all of that time, he lived under the shadow of suffering. Thank God. It's finished. No more. He'll not be coming to town on a white donkey next trip. He'll be coming back on a white horse. He'll not be coming as a suffering Savior the next time. He'll be coming as a sovereign king to rule and to reign over all who have believed. It's finished. His suffering is done. I like that, don't you? It's finished. The sacrifice was fulfilled. I looked this morning for just a minute in Second Chronicles chapter 7. If I'm not correct, at one time, Solomon offered 22,000 bullocks and 120,000 sheep at one time on the altar at the temple in Jerusalem. It would be uncountable to tell you how many animals had died, how much blood has been spilt, and how much effort has gone in to sacrificing from the book of Genesis to the book of John. Rivers of blood have flown. When the high priest performed his office work, there was no chairs in the tabernacle or in the temple because there was no time for the high priest to sit down. Day after day after day, his business was slaying animals, draining the blood, sprinkling the blood, killing animals, draining the blood, sprinkling the blood, postponing the sins of Israel another year. Literal rivers of blood have shed and flown over this tide. But on the cross, are you listening? On the cross, he said to Lecco, don't need any more sacrifice. Oh, by the way, you remember what John the Baptist said the first time he saw Jesus? Behold, 
the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Adam and Eve's shedding of blood in the Garden of Eden was pointing toward God's one sacrifice, God's only reliable sacrifice. Abraham's ram caught in a thicket pointed toward a better sacrifice. His name was Jesus. And he laid it all on the altar so that you don't need any more sacrifices. It's finished. There's nothing you can do to pay for your sins. I've paid for them myself. Huh? Jesus' suffering were done. The sacrifice had been fulfilled. I must close. The devil has been defeated. He's a whooped turkey and don't know it. If you're not saved, my daddy can whoop your daddy. First sermon I ever preached, you said, I wish you'd go back and do it again and decide you can't preach and quit. He that committeth sin is the devil because the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this reason, the Son of Man was made manifest that he might, listen, destroy the works of the devil. <laughs> it's finished. It's finished. You said the devil made me do it. Probably, you mean you're so important to God out of all the multitudes that has ever been born, the devil would come to get you yourself. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You've made you do it. That guy you comb his hair every morning, that's a dirty rat in your life. And the problem nobody here has done enough to get the devil after you. You don't have to because you've got the world flesh and the devil taking care of us. You're welcome. You say, well, you don't understand. I've surrendered to preach. Well, what do you want me to do? Chrome your belly button? You're just like everybody else. You're just like me, buddy. You're as rotten from the top of your head to the bottom of your foot. The only good thing in any of us is Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, said it's finished. Devil, <laughs> ref, go ahead and count him out. He's dead. Yeah. John 12, verse 31 says this. Now is the judgment of the world. You know what that is? That's when they hung Jesus Christ on the cross. Now is the judgment of the world. And now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Hmm? Hebrews 2. I read it for you. Just in closing, you say, you're going to close? Yeah. Hebrews 2, verse 14. Listen, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, also himself, 
likewise took part of the same. That through death, his death, he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is, the devil. It's finished. The devil has no more power over you. You say, you don't understand, he's after me. No, you're after me. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to blame the devil for some of the dumb things we do? Wouldn't it be nice? I read the other day in closing, the father and a little girl was going down the road in a, in a vehicle. The little girl was highly, highly, highly contagious to bee stings. I am too. I hate anything that stings or bites or sticks. I need, I tell you, me and my wife need a snake catcher over at our house. Either that or would you like to buy, what kind of car you got, wife? An expedition. Would you like to buy an expedition? We furnish snakes and all. My wife saw a snake crawl up into underneath her expedition yesterday. If you'll notice in the parking lot, she's driving a white Toyota. And I got my horse tied to the hitch rail out back. Sacrificial lamb, right? Somebody asked me this morning, said, what kind of snake is it? I said, if I see it, it will be one of those on the distinct list. I said, I'm going to kill that sucker. You say, you know, you be nice to snakes. You want it? I'll show you where the car is parked. Little girl was highly contagious to be stained and allergic. You know, some folks are just a wasp or some bite them, they'll swell up. And some folks are even so allergic that it, it may it may it may bring death. Little girl was highly allergic allergic. They were going down the road. And uh, a bee began to swarm around in the car and looked like it's headed straight for the little girl. And she was so scared, she was out of her wits, she didn't know what to do. And daddy just as the bee started toward the little girl, the daddy just reached out with his hand. The bee landed on his palm, and he just closed his hand like that. He held his hand closed like that for about a minute. And after a while, he opened his hand, and the bee flew out. And the little girl got hysterical. Daddy said, honey, don't worry about that bee. I got his finger here now. All he's doing is just flying around thinks he's something. Oh, grave. Oh, death, where is thy victory? Grave, where is thy sting? Paul said, the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. Then he shouts, but thanks be unto God that give us us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said, Teleco, it's finished. I've got the stinger right here in my hand. He's defeated. The sacrifice has been made and my suffering is over.
And because of all of that, salvation was secure. I said it's finished. Well, preacher, I can't get saved. You can if you'll just let God save you. You say, I'm working at it. Don't mess up what he's already done. Don't you think it's a night pulpit? Billy built this specially for me. I love it. And it just, it just, you know, it's like home. I've been here now all these years. What would you think if next Sunday morning I came out with an axe in my hand? And I said, Brother Billy, I know this is an absolute perfect work of art. Teleco, I know that. It's finished. But I'd just like to help a little bit. I'd like to put my mark on it. And I begin to whack and bang and beat on this thing. And uh, I say, man, uh, somebody say, well, preacher, what are you doing? I'm just helping Billy a little bit. Fix this up for you. You helping God, are you? God didn't need no help. It's done. You go to hell at your fault. You go to hell at your choice. You can't work good enough. You can't pray good enough. You can't give enough. You can't work long enough. You can't look good long enough. It just will not work. That's the work of Jesus Christ. And it's finished. You know, if there's another sign could be hung on the cross, it would say, I can handle this job all by myself. It's finished. I read the other day, if any man be in Christ, He's a brand new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. But whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The only thing standing between anybody and hell is just themselves. Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left its crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. And all of God's people said,